Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Kentuckian Podcast. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. Today's topic is safety. I have that in quotes here on my notes for a very specific reason. That is, last safety is something that's likely been on all our minds in the last year and a half, especially. Of course, there are all the issues with COVID and, and uh, the focus on safety, or at least supposed safety. But the current obsession with safety that we see all around us right now goes to a much deeper problem. Safety in a general ambiguous sense is not an end in and of itself. Safety in this big general ambiguous sense is not a goal. It is not something to be achieved. It's not a, a uh, end goal, right? Might be another way to think about it. But we'll dig into why that is the case and why the safety is treated as such. This is a, a big problem and all the issues with COVID and, of course, masks and social distancing and vaccines and all these different things and the way people have interacted about them and all these different issues are a really more of a symptom of the real issue. But we'll dig into to that and, and some other related topics. So the first point that I want to talk about, the first issue I want to discuss is how safety in this general ambiguous sense, is used as an emotional tool to manipulate people. Now, of course, your reaction might be, oh, well, here he goes. So maybe you, you start to think, well, he's probably a conspiracy theorist. Well, he probably thinks the government's out to get everybody, or whatever the case might be. But if you'll hear me out, that reaction in and of itself is sort of indicative of the fact that the emotional manipulation has worked. I've talked about this some in, in other areas. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now on which specific topics, but I do remember talking about this, that um, when you're able to emotionally manipulate people, you're able to trigger specific responses. As soon as somebody hears a specific phrase or um, you know, a specific idea or sometimes a specific word, then bam, instantly they have a reaction. They're already starting to assign judgments and everything else instead of listening to the evidence and the reasoning that the person uses. Safety, in this general ambiguous sense, especially with COVID, but with other things as well, is one of these tools that is used to generate that emotional manipulation and other kinds of emotional manipulation to get for, for the people that are using it to get what they want, right? Why do you think, as we think about this, how safety is sort of an emotional tool instead of a logical um, process, why do you think that news outlets only focus on the bad news, the, the dirty laundry, if you will? Why do you think they only focus on the chaos and the violence? They don't talk about all the, or they don't spend much time talking about all the good things that people are doing, good news out there, all the all the people that are being locked up, all the all the people that you know the criminals, um, all the people that def successfully defended themselves. You'll hear about it a little bit, but but that's never where the focus is, never where the focus has been. I mean, even the the history of the press in this country, and I dare say basically any country, has always been on digging up the the dirty laundry. You had the muckrakers, right? Always looking for some dirt or some kind of bad news, and oftentimes, of course, it has to do with violence or some kind of other 
issue that would affect somebody. Maybe it's a financial hardship. Well, that that feeds into safety, right? I mean, if you can't provide for your family, that's something that would fall into this general ambiguous idea of safety. The reason they do all that is because it sells. Now, why does it sell? If there's potential danger, think about this. If there's potential danger, a reasonable person wants to know about it so they can protect themselves. So they can, if they need to take action to protect themselves against whatever this danger might be, they have to have the knowledge about it, right? So it's it's sort of a self-interest thing. Well, you know, maybe they're exaggerating, but if they're not, I might be, you know, stuck out, stuck out in the rain, right? And what better way to find out about that, at least in the minds of the media, than for the people that are telling you, the media, <laughs> um, to uh, tell you more of these details. So, you know, you go into uh, buy their newspaper or nowadays buy their subscription or whatever. Now, this does, there, there's obviously this is not a single issue as, as you may have picked up already. And as I will start to try and remember to mention more, everything's connected. So many things are, are not independent completely of one another. And this kind of uh, goes into the idea of perception and manipulating perception as well. If you only ever report or spend almost all your time reporting bad news, especially if it's exaggerated or manipulated to look more serious or more likely to affect the reader than it is, but even if it's just, you know, they're not lying about what's out there, but they're only focusing, they're only talking about the bad news, the violence, the, the financial f uh, scandals and all these different things, you begin to think that that's the way, quote unquote, everything is. Now, this isn't the only way to use that manipulation of perception, but you basically focus on something that isn't necessarily relevant, right? That you might be talking about violence in some area where most of your readers are never even going to be or never really going to be uh, at risk of experiencing or being in that danger. But because you report it all the time and that's all you focus on, people begin to think, well, man, the world's really going to pot. Man, there's so much violence out there. And really, that might not be the case. But what that does is if you start to think that way as a, as a customer, as a reader, as a, as a consumer of media, you get more concerned, more worried, and you're more interested to find out about it again so you can know, well, hopefully what to do uh, to protect yourself. So you, again, you buy newspapers, you buy your, your media subscriptions, you buy cable, et cetera, et cetera. But in a larger sense... However, it's used by governmentally and culturally to attain desired outcomes as well. Yes, there's the business aspect of it. Um, there is the, the idea that bad news sells and perhaps some of the reasons why that we just discussed. But it is used on a much larger scale in a much broader sense. And, and this may seem kind of vague, but as we'll kind of talk about, that's sort of the point. But... This becomes especially powerful, this um, focus on safety or a potential lack of safety for emotional manipulation um, becomes especially powerful when it's coupled with innately connected emotional stimuli. Now, let me, let me give you an example. And again, this affects fear and, of course, fear of, of a lack of being safe, but safe in a very general sense. That might be you don't have money. That might be somebody is going to die. It could be a lot of different things, and of course, we've dealt with that throughout the last year and a half especially. But for an example of, of this extra emotional uh, stimuli, think about something we dealt with a lot from a lot of government officials 
recently in the last year and a half is when they tell adults, but they also tell children. And, and in, in this example, children, I think, are especially the focus. But they are telling these people on their news reports, on their their press conferences and everything else that if they don't wear a mask, if they don't social distance, if they don't get vaccinated, whatever the 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 desired action is at the time, if they don't do it, then they will murder grandma. They'll they'll be responsible for the death of their grandparents, for the death of maybe the older people they go to church with, maybe not even the older people, but they're they're going to be they're going to have the blood of these people on their hands because they didn't wear a mask, because they didn't do what the state or what the government official wanted them to do. Again, that is, this is not just a theoretical, theoretical, excuse me, <laughs> theoretical example. Government officials all over the country use that exact line of reasoning to emotionally manipulate people, especially children, but also adults, including Kentucky's own Bashir, literally telling Again, not exaggeration, not theoretical, literally telling emotionally vulnerable and developing children that they could kill their own grandparents if they didn't do X, Y, or Z. So it's about safety, right? Well, you don't want to get this disease. You don't want to spread this disease. Uh, you could kill somebody or you could, you know, we, we have to stop this as a collective so people don't die. But then bring it in very specifically to... Well, what about your grandma or grandpa? What about your mama? What about your, your what about your mama and papa? Right? What, whatever names people use to refer to their grandparents. Well, you could be responsible for their deaths, and then you bring it in real close to home. And then you can throw in the press conferences outlining in detail all the the sob stories of the people that died of COVID which often weren't actually slain by the virus that, remember, knows not to infect you if you get back inside before curfew, according to at least inferred from the, the mandates of these tyrannical government officials. Remember that whole thing about, well, if you focus just on the bad, even if you don't outright lie, you can convince people of things that aren't true. You affect their perception. Children are basically... From all the evidence we have, they have basically no chance of being harmed by COVID, and they don't, if, if we understand correctly, they don't even, if I understand correctly, they don't even spread it. They don't even carry it, but we're going to make them wear a mask. We're going to tell them they could kill grandma, uh, and of course, so on and so forth. That's just one example, obviously, of where this isn't about COVID in and of itself. There's a lot of other issues to consider there, but I think you all understand what I'm getting at, right? This is something we've all dealt with. So think about that emotional manipulation. Now, of course, every argument that maybe makes that point isn't in and of itself invalid. But in the context of what we're talking about, you should be very suspicious. It's not to say 100% every time that they're trying to manipulate you for a more sinister purpose, but you should be very suspicious of a government official or a school official or whoever making safety suggestions or divulging safety-related information and using emotional examples to try and gain compliance. Maybe there's an emotional argument to be made when you talk with your parents about it, when you talk with your grandparents about it. But if you have some random government official, a governor, a, a school director, whoever, that is trying to use emotional examples to emotionally manipulate you into compliance, you should take note. That is a huge red flag. 
Their job is not to emotionally manipulate you or make an emotional argument. It's to give you the facts so you can make the best decision for yourself and if you have children for your children and so on. These people aren't stupid. It's not like we haven't studied psychology and the way people's mind works and, and even just influencing people. They know this stuff. They know how to manipulate people. They've been doing it for years. But in a larger sense, we must not forget that the overall safety of the citizenry is not a responsibility of the government. Now, of course, there's other applications for what we're talking about, but I am focusing on the government. And, of course, the government, again, just to bring it back into focus, has been responsible for most of the emotional manipulation and division that's gone on in the last several months to year and a half. Remember, the government's job is not to, the, to provide the general safety of the citizenry. The government's job is to uphold the rights of the people. We always seem to forget, well, but if masks help, right? Or, you know, the, but the vaccinations might help. We, we always talk about the effectiveness of, of what the government is trying to get us to do. And we, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about the effectiveness of it. Again, we want to make the best decisions for us and our families and those around us. But we seem to forget all too often in all of this that the, our focus should not be on the effectiveness or general lack of effectiveness of these government mandates, but the fact that the government is mandating on it at all. The government's job is to uphold the rights of the people, to protect the people from certain things, particularly other players, criminals invading countries. They uphold the rights of the people by upholding moral behavior in the citizenry and providing justice for immoral behavior and crime. And of course, that would include foreign invasions. But remember, safety sells, especially, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but especially when a people no longer have long-term perspective that's produced by a development and a strong spiritual character. Again, that gets into safety really being more about comfort, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So we have to realize that safety and part of the reason it's such a powerful tool and why there's such an obsession with safety and why it's being used by the government is because it's unattainable and ambiguous. When safety is used as an end of itself, especially by tyrants like the many in office today, it is because of a couple important facts about the very nature of safety. Those are that safety is unattainable and ambiguous, as already referred to. Safety is totally unattainable because most of the events and actions that cause a threat to our personal safety are completely or almost completely out of our control. We can drive safely and wear a seatbelt, but that doesn't stop a bad driver from getting a license. It doesn't stop a drunk from trying to make it the short distance home from the bar. And it doesn't stop a truck driver from not getting enough sleep on their job. The desire for safety comes from a desire for control. But again, we'll get to that in a little bit. I don't want to get too far off track. Since safety is unattainable, I'm going to focus on that part first. Since safety is unattainable, we can't really provide for safety because most of what causes those threats are things completely unrelated to us or mostly unrelated to us. When it comes to that unattainability, that makes it an unlimited source of justification for tyranny by evil men. It's what Hitler used, it's what so many other tyrants throughout history have used, is the idea of safety or the public good or the public safety or whatever phrase was in vogue at the time. Because you can't reach it. 
it's con when it's constantly a justification because it can't be attained. Now, safety, the public good, etc., are used by tyrants also because of their ambiguity. And these are closely related, but they are a little different. Who determines what is the public good or for the public safety? There are certain standards that can be applied, certainly, you know, no doubt about that, right? Murder, not allowing a company to sell a product that will kill or maim its customers, especially if the effects are lied about and so forth. But much of what is for the quote-unquote public good is ambiguous. And even if it's not ambiguous, and again, this is focusing on safety, there's other elements, but even if it's not ambiguous, safety or, or providing for, for safety is not a one-size-fits-all thing. Take disease, for example, since COVID is something we've been dealing with for so long. Could you take a bunch of supplements every day? Could you go to the doctor regularly, get your checkups, you know, go to see your specialist and do that to stay healthy? Get all every vaccination, you know, the, every flu shot, whatever. Yeah, you could do that, certainly. And that might be very effective for you, but maybe just as effective or more effective would be to take care and pay attention to what you eat. Try and eat healthy, right? Exercise regularly. Get sun regularly. Or maybe that isn't the best option for everyone, but it works better for some. Maybe that's the way some choose to, to help maintain their health, and it works for them. What about people with compromised immune systems, cancer patients, organ transplant recipients, and so on? They will likely have to take more extreme measures in avoiding disease because they have compromised immune systems. So they have to do things most normal people wouldn't do, like sometimes wear a mask. Sometimes that's one of the things that they do because, well, it, it, they have to be extra, extra careful. But even for them, that isn't always the case. So why should one person or very few people in power decide a quote-unquote solution for everyone? In the case of mask or vaccination, there are many other effects that are ignored that affect people's decisions on whether they want to get vaccinated or whether they think that they should wear a mask. Again, even from a practical standpoint, have the potential long-term effects of the vaccine that we just don't know yet. The repercussions of wearing a dirty piece of cloth next to your face all the time, and so on. Even the mental and psychological repercussions of not seeing people's faces and constantly isolating and not being able to interact with people and communicate with people normally. There are effects of that, and people may say, I don't want to wear a mask or I don't want to get vaccinated because of this. And that may be a perfectly reasonable explanation. In fact, there's many things we don't even realize many of the times. And again, when you have a government silencing anyone that brings up new data or, or opposes what they say, it should be a big red flag. And we've been seeing that for the past year and a half. I could, I could potentially have, I, I don't think it would necessarily cause problems directly with my podcast, but it could affect how many people are able to, to listen to this, at least without others spreading it, right, sharing it, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, Facebook may not spread this around. I don't know. They may specifically not spread it because of certain things that I'm saying. Every, people, all, doctors, scientists, have been, nurses have been dealing with this for months now. And that should bother you, right? Because there is not a one-size-fits-all solution. What about the fact that the disease is not as dangerous to some groups as others? Right. I mean, it's not really that dangerous for kids, but it might be for people in their 80s and 90s. So you need different reactions and different precautions taken for those two groups. So why does one or a few people decide a one size fits all solution for everyone? Another example. What about raising kids? Some parents or raising children, some parents will make an active effort to prevent any kind of harm and hopefully still teach them how to be safe. Right. Not always to make good decisions, whatever. 
Other parents may take a different approach. They may train their children and, and allow or, or even encourage them to exercise a certain degree of independence in a relatively low consequence environment, of course, uh, so that they learn to be smart adults with good judgment, right? You could protect your child from everything. Might not be in and of itself a bad option, but you could also encourage your children to, especially when they get a little bit older, to start actually doing things on their own. That may That is technically more dangerous, but you're doing it so that they learn to be able to make good decisions, to have good judgment. And of course, there's a million variations on how that works. I, parents, two parents, uh, uh, you know, the mom and dad sometimes have different opinions on that. And guess what? Even siblings are different and they may not need the same kind of raising, right? They may not need the same uh, technique to, to train them to be able to make rational, good decisions when it comes to specifically for what we're talking about, their personal safety and, and risk mitigation, right? We all know this. So why is it so hard to understand that there shouldn't be a one-size-fits-all decision made by one or a few of the ultra-powerful? Our founding fathers understood that no person is meant to wield that kind of power over another responsible adult. And we can get into the, the moral side of that, the, the philosophical, the spiritual side, right? But we're not going to do that right now. Not really. The Founding Fathers also understood that wielding that kind of power over another person, de deciding for every individual or for other individuals about personal safety and risk mitigation and all these different things is a gateway for tyranny, even if it's not tyranny in and of itself. It can't be defined and therefore it can be used to justify anything. And it has been used to justify all sorts of horrible, terrible things all throughout history. This is why the rule of law is so important. Even if a governmental action actually provided a degree of safety, even if it was actually something that did keep people safe, although they usually don't for the above reasons we talked about, government incompetence and the fact that they have a stake in keeping you unsafe, but for sake of argument, let's say it actually keeps people safe. If it's illegal, it must be stopped, period. End of discussion. There's judgment in our individual lives and situations. That is how things are meant to be but not for the government to make those decisions for us. No official is above the law. Because if there's no line drawn, a person with power, even if it's not too much power in and of itself, will often, perhaps even almost always, go too far, right? There is, this, like I said, a certain amount of judgment in our individual lives and situations, but because of the difference between the individual and the government, that judgment that leeway is not there. They, are, they have to comply to the law first. Individual responsibility is the key. We will dig deeper into this, this and the ideas of precedent and the importance of dealing with the violation of the law by officials quickly before they go too far soon as a separate episode. Let's get into this last point here. Safety is a euphemism for comfort. The reason this is so powerful for tyrants and against the freedoms of man is because it's a because safety in this context of what we're talking about is a euphemism. It's a euphemism for comfort, as I mentioned. It's a euphemism for laziness, convenience, vice, and weakness. As I mentioned at the beginning, safety is not an end. It is simply a means to an end. You can do something riskily. You can do something safely. We weigh how much risk we are okay with taking and how much effort we're willing to put into to, to safety and, and being safe when we make decisions. But you cannot have your ultimate end in life to be safe, 
safety. Excuse me. And before I continue here, I do want to take a moment. I know I'm going kind of quick. I've got a lot of material to get through, and I only have a certain amount of time. But we can't have our ultimate end in life to be safety. It is not a goal. It is simply a context for life and the decisions that we make and the things that we go through. Mentally, emotionally, and spiritually mature people also understand that life is not about whether we are protected from every little thing that might harm us. As I also mentioned, we realize that complete safety is unattainable. And it really boils down to more risk mitigation than anything. We have to realize that life is not about whether we are safe and comfortable, but it's about what we achieve. What do we do with the time we've been given on this earth? That's what life's about. As the song Three Wooden Crosses by Randy Travis says, it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you. It's what you leave behind you when you go. Life is about what we did with it and whether we're ready for the next one. If we have eternity in our hearts and governing our actions, safety becomes relatively unimportant because we have priorities. But if our focus and our goal becomes this ambiguous idea of safety with COVID or anything else, it's because we've lost sight of any kind of goal bigger than ourselves. If our focus is safety, it's really about not having to quote-unquote worry about anything. It's about feeling comfortable where we are at in life, right? Dangerous is un danger is uncomfortable because we have to do something to react to it and so on and so forth, right? But of course, in a, in a society like this, there's a lot more to it. No one gets mad at us, you know? Because we're, we're complying, right? We're, we're focused on safety just like everybody else, right? Because nobody wants to be uncomfortable. And, and you start to get into the whole thing with COVID and why the fear-mongering has worked so well and the division and people attacking each other over their individual decisions. You know, if we focus on safety and, and, and really about being comfortable, right? Feeling safe in our own little shell, in our comfort zone, if you will, no one gets mad at us. No one challenges us on anything. We have protection, quote unquote, from growth because going out of our comfort zone is dangerous. And that's really what it's about, right? We go out of our comfort zone with physical danger, emotional, whatever. We become so obsessed with the here and now that we forget to look ahead to something greater. We're afraid of what lies ahead. And this starts to really get into it. We are afraid of what lies ahead, so we push it from our mind by focusing on the present and on our present comfort and pleasure. And, of course, safety in this general ambiguous sense, being safe from danger or stress, is the way that we – is the foundation that we provide comfort and pleasure through to a large degree. This – not completely, again, to a large degree. This focus on safety comes from an inappropriate fear because of our lack of long-term spiritual preparation. Because we're not ready for what comes ahead, as I already mentioned. Now, of course, that fear manifests itself in many ways. We don't have time to get into that. But it is the key to understanding the danger and the power of this general ambiguous safety that we're all so worried about. Public good, public safety, whatever phrase you want to use. Now, hopefully, as we realize that, that really we're being afraid, we're afraid of what comes ahead. So we focus on feeling comfortable and, of course, of integral integral aspect of comfort is safety. But hopefully we want to do better. We don't want to be so focused on this ambiguous idea of safety. And, and of course, that's just unfortunately part of our culture. It's a powerful draw. We have to ask ourselves the question, why is safety so important? Seriously, why? Why is safety so important? We cannot guarantee, no matter what we do, we cannot guarantee safety for ourselves, 
for anyone else either. And what safety we can provide for risk mitigation and, and providing ourselves and others with the tools to make wise decisions looks different for every person. Again, we all use judgment. There is no one-size-fits-all solution. But if our focus, instead of safety, is on serving God, on making the most of the short time that we have here, well, we'll put some effort into risk mitigation, into safety, because we don't want to waste our opportunities. But now we go outside of our comfort zone. We produce something. We create. We help others at risk of physical, emotional, or spiritual pain, right? That goes to the idea of getting out of our comfort zone, of putting ourselves on the line to make ourselves and others better. We grow as people when we don't focus on only on safety, and we work to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to do the same. Will you be governed by fear of the future and all that entails and how it manifests itself with safety? Or will you be governed by a hope for the future and a desire to have something to show for it? Safety is a dangerous thing. It's an ambiguous, ironically enough, it's an ambiguous, unattainable state that has been used by many tyrants throughout history to manipulate weak people. There is no doubt that the people of this country in general are weak, but we all have the capability to grow. And speaking for myself, I have plenty of room to grow. But as is a common theme with many of these episodes, we have to turn to God first. Without a proper spiritual perspective and a yearning for something bigger than ourselves in serving God, the rest is a practice in futility. The attitude is fundamental to being able to look beyond the here and now, our own selfishness and fear, and do something greater. Please help me spread the word. Help me get this episode out there. Check out my Facebook and Instagram pages. Sharing, commenting, interacting with my posts makes a massive difference in who sees what I, what I do here. If you'd like to help me in a more personal way, my Patreon is linked below. But remember, anything you do makes a difference. And remember, friends, as long as you and I are doing the right thing, we will make a difference in this. The Kentuckian, trying to make a difference one person at a time.